Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to the Futures Focus Podcast, courtesy of Prospects 1500. I am Alex Sanchez with my host, David Gasper. David, you have power in water, right? You're still alive? Yep. It's actually, uh, we've actually had a heat wave come through. It's up to about 19 degrees. Um, So things are are going pretty smooth up here, but we still got probably about two feet of snow on the ground. Um, But at least it's not frigid cold. Again, I did not have to wear a jacket when I went out to lunch today for my sushi, (laughs) so... But um, instead of asking you a random off-the-wall question, I want to give you this opportunity to talk about the greatness in 30 seconds or less about your boy, Ryan Braun, before we get on to the rest of our show. Which, by the way, I should tell the people, exciting show, Ben Wilson on. We're talking about first-year player drafts, lot of deep-dive prospects you've probably never heard of or don't know much about. Got all of that, but first, more importantly, David, talk to us about Ryan Braun. Yeah, so uh, Ryan Braun, you know, it came out like a week or so ago that, you know, he wasn't currently interested in playing baseball. Um, Everyone's kind of taking that as, you know, yeah, he's probably retiring. And just today, his wife posted on Instagram a picture of them just kind of saying like, oh, this is typically around the time, you know, he leaves and heads to Arizona for spring training. But this year we get to keep him at least for now. So... By, by that caption, it sounds like uh, Ryan Braun is not permanently retired, um, so he could end up uh, coming back at some point. I'm not sure if it'll be middle of spring training or middle of the regular season or, or whenever, but he may still be coming back at some point. So it's exciting in, uh, in Brewer land over here. I suppose it all depends if the pandemic is altering his steroid delivery, right? If, if that can get yeah, him in time, yeah. he'll be he'll be absolutely fine, right? Yeah, he <laughs> he hasn't taken those in in a while because no, just since took, his MVP he, season, right? He took those to to prevent his injuries from getting worse. And, True. And in the years since, his injuries have just been continuing to pop up. So yeah. if he was taking them, he would have been healthy the whole time. So True. I like Brian Braun. I am 100% sure he has not been taking them since. <laughs> He's a good player. I'm just giving you a hard time. He's one of my favorites of your uh, brewers over there. But let's go ahead and uh, we'll jump into the news and notes. And then we got Ben Wilson here again to talk about our first year player draft. And I'll, I will tell you this. You will not find more information than this man, Ben Wilson. He knows a ton about these prospects. And we're not talking three or four rounds. We did a 10-round first-year player mock draft. Um, I'm pretty sure I was making up names in round nine and 10, and nobody noticed. So (laughs) it's going to be a great show if you're into that sort of thing with your dynasty. So first, though, uh, we do have the news and notes, and then we'll get right into Ben. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. So our news and notes for this week is actually a little heavy on the major league side of things just because it's fascinating to talk about, and it's from my Padres. So Fernando Tatis Jr., your favorite player, I recall, (laughs) signs a $340 million contract, and it is the longest contract in MLB history at 14 years, I believe, he is the third highest paid player in baseball now. What do you think about that signing? You know, I think since I named Fernando Tatis Jr. my favorite player, maybe he should send some of that back my way. Uh, that'd be nice. Um, but yeah, that, that was an absolute massive deal. Uh, Robert Murray breaking the news, getting the scoop. Um, yeah, huge contract, really great for the Padres, great for baseball, great for Tatis. Um, you know, he's only played 143 major league games. So, you know, some people may think it's a little bit early. He's only 22 years old. Uh, you could wait a little bit longer, but, you know, even getting him now, I mean, that's about $24 million, you know, on average, um, for, for the annual value, which really, I I don't think is that bad. It, It keeps him there for, pretty much the entirety of of his career through his prime years. Um, He'll be 36 when the contract ends. 
So who knows? Maybe he could even still have, you know, a couple years to go afterwards. Um, but it, it's an incredible amount of money, incredible amount of security for Tatis. I mean, it, it's just really uh, great to see. And it, it just kind of puts the cap on a fantastic offseason for the Padres big league, uh, big league roster. I know it's kind of been rough for your farm system down there, but for the big league roster, it's been great. Absolutely. And when you see the number 340, you, you, you start to panic. But then you see the years and like you said, uh, 24, 25 annual value um, is not too bad if you're talking about a top even top 20, top 50 player is still not ridiculous, you know? So it's it's probably going to be a good deal for both sides, I would imagine. I hope it is because we need Fernando Tatis in our lives. Mm-hmm. From great news to some very sad, surprising, shocking, outrageous news, a prospect that I know everybody has heard of and is near and dear to everybody's heart has retired. And that is Tim Tebow, outfielder, New York Mets. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He just missed my top 100 prospects uh, for for the Mets, for the Mets. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, just fun to mention there. Um, Favorite Tebow memory? Do you have a favorite Tebow memory? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, When when he won uh, that playoff game in overtime for the Denver Broncos. Oh, oh man. man, yeah. So, I also remember when he uh, crashed face first into the outfield wall. Um, I, I forget if it was spring training or in the minor league season, but he went like face first uh, into the wall. And I, I think that's still like the background picture for Bleacher Report whenever like their their link all of a sudden goes wrong. It's like, oh, sorry, we couldn't find it. It just has a picture of Tim Tebow going face first into the wall. Uh, memories. Hey, good on him. He actually did better than I ever thought he would in professional baseball. Yeah, con- stayed, considering stayed he hadn't played baseball in 11 years, like that's that's pretty good. He, even yeah. though even though he only had like a 630 something OPS, which for everyone else, you know, you'd think is pretty bad. But for having not played in the longest time and just kind of picking it up and just just going and, and hitting anything in professional baseball, that that's it. Just kind of speaks to you know, what an incredible athlete Tim Tebow is and just, mm-hmm. you know, the the hard work and the work ethic that, that he puts in. And I think everyone kind of knew he wasn't going to end up being a big league player, but, you know, it was a fun side story uh, for now. But now the Mets have Steve Cohen and they're, they're all business now. Well, I don't think we're going to see too many more two-way players, but man, I, I, I could go for some good Deion Sanders, Brian Jordan, Bo <laughs> Jackson action. Russell Wilson, let's get him back out here. Kyler Murray, come on, guys. Um, The last little piece of news that I wanted to touch on was interesting is Andrew Vaughn is in the mix for an opening day roster. So Andrew Vaughn uh, up for 150 games or whatever. Is he the rookie of the year favorite for you? What do you think about him starting the year out as uh, as a White Sox in the major league level? Yeah, I, I certainly I, I like Andrew Vaughn. I, I think he's got you know fantastic bat and like yeah, you get him up there and um, even though you got uh, Jose Abreu currently at first base there for the White Sox, you, you could put Vaughn there at DH and if his bat is as advertised and so far it's looking like it is as advertised, yeah, I, I think he'll be in that mix for uh, Rookie of the Year this year. Of course, he has to compete with Randy Rosarena. So let's see if if he can True. pull off pull off that. That guy's still rookie eligible. Don't forget. Um, all right, hey, we can't let the big guy waiting. We got Ben Wilson here. He's really high up in our prospects 1500 chain. We don't want to make him mad. So let's go ahead and uh, transition on over to Ben. Get him on here and talk about the 2021 first year player draft mock that he put on. And stay tuned. And that's coming right back after this. And joining us now is Ben Wilson. Ben, thank you so much for coming on to the show. How are you doing today? Alex, I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Alex and David, for having me on. It's great to be on the Futures Focus podcast. You guys are doing a great job with the show. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. 
Um, I want you to give a little bit of a summary of your experience as a writer here on Prospects 1500, how you, you got to be, because you're with the big man, Mr. Scott Green, doing the Red Sox, um, how that came to be, how you got your start, just a little bit of background information on you um, so people know who the mighty Ben Wilson is. Like so many writers, I broke in on Twitter and just started interacting with the community and one of the first people that I got to meet through fantasy baseball and dynasty and prospect Twitter is Mark Nikolov, who has been such a great source of support for me. And um, I started writing for his blog, which is now a retired blog called Real McCoy Miners. And it's a blog that covers minor league baseball. And I connected with Mark in the fall of 2017. And I started publishing articles about deep dives on prospects, taking a look at players through the Arizona Fall League, Rule 5 work, doing some winter league write-ups, um, targeting AL and NL deep dynasty prospects. So I had a blast really breaking in uh, through Mark and working with Mark and it was really shortly thereafter that I got to meet Scott Green and Scott noticed my work. And um, when Mark shut his blog down, um, Scott had approached me about joining the Prospects 1500 site and I couldn't have been happier about that. And um, Scott has been just such a tremendous source of support for me um, really from the beginning. So um, I started writing with Prospects 1500 and covering the New York Mets farm system uh, because I live in upstate New York. So I'm really close to Binghamton, which is the double A, and Syracuse, which is triple A, um, those levels. And, you know, Scott started taking on so much with the website and I had a lot going on. So we decided to merge forces uh, because my heart has always been as a Red Sox fan. So I grew up in Massachusetts. And um, so Scott and I split the Red Sox system. And it's great to team up doing that because just like what you talked about with Jake and Bailey on the last episode of the Rays, um, you know, teaming up and and doing a system and covering a system together, I think is just a great product. So I love working with Scott. And then this past winter, I took on assistant editing responsibilities. So I review articles and get them ready for publish on the site. Yeah, awesome. It's great to tag team, especially when you're you're both fans of the team. I think that's really awesome. So again, really happy to have you on here. I know you've You've been on the podcast before, and uh, as a big editor, uh, assistant editor, assistant to the editor, I don't know, whatever you call it, <laughs> um, it's a pleasure to have you on here. So um, one thing that you were organizing here this last week is a 2021 first-year player draft mock that was not one, not two, not five, not seven, but rather not 10 rounds of first-year player draft uh, mock. So that's 180 players were drafted in this. Why did you want to go all the way to 10 rounds, Ben? That is a good question. I think at Prospects 1500, we dig deep. That's just what we do. You know, we go 1,500 prospects and even more, right? We we cover so many prospects um, really for the deep dynasty enthusiasts. So I think really the goal of putting this forward to the team of doing a first-year player draft uh, that runs 150 deep is it really covers most of the amateur draft uh, from the past draft class as well as the last international draft class. So outside of the absolute deepest leagues where everyone is taken – this is really a resource that is unique and hopefully helpful. So like when I reach out to do the two early MILB mock in October during the playoffs, you know, our team jumped on this so fast mm-hmm. and I filled this with 18 
people in a day. And Scott and I talked on the phone and we were like, hey, can we do this? And he was like, let's do it. This is awesome. And, you know, this is first year player draft season. And I've had three first year player drafts myself. And then the, the mock is sort of my fourth run through. Um, so this has just been really fun to to interact with with this really knowledgeable group of prospect writers at Prospects 1500 and put this draft together. Absolutely. So let's just get right into it. All three of us did participate in this. I had the third overall pick. David, you had the second overall pick. And then, Ben, you had the 14th overall pick. And again, there were 18, uh, 18 teams, 10 rounds. So, David, why don't you start off about uh, your Asa Lacey pick and uh, what you were thinking with that at number two? Yeah, so when it came to that, when the first draft order initially came out, I originally had the number one overall pick. And so I'm like, oh, man, this is great. I, I can get Spencer Torkelson. Like, this is awesome. And then uh, there were some issues with that, and they had to redo the order. And then I came back in the new one second. And I'm like, well, now what do I do? Because it's a little bit, you know, different there going from Torkelson to to the rest of the group. So, you know, just kind of looking at the draft, it's like, okay, Heston Kirstad, I I thought was kind of a reach at two overall to Baltimore. Didn't really want to take him there. Uh, Max Meyer, I also thought was a little bit of a reach. And really the two best players on the board were Ace Lacey and Austin Martin. And, um, you know, it was just kind of, you know, looking at, at those two guys, like I, I'm just kind of a sucker for left-handed pitchers with ace potential. Like it, it's just really kind of what it is. And I really, really liked Ace Lacy going into that draft. I, I think he's going to be a stud, especially now that you know, um, he's in Kansas City's uh, farm system. You know, with, with that pitching development, with, with the guys that they got coming up, uh, I'm I'm pretty high on Ace Lacy. So. Yeah, I, I just kind of ended up going with him there over Austin Martin at two. Yeah, and Alex, you kind of took that to, to yes. your advantage there yeah. at three. Absolutely. You made my pick really easy. Although I still think when you're looking at uh, this from a dynasty perspective, it's pretty clear cut. It's pretty chalky at the, at the first round. So Torkelson obviously is the first overall pick. I mean, I don't care who you are. I think you're taking him number one. And then after that, you know, I see a lot of Martin and then Gonzalez as the top three. And then, of course, if you want a pitcher going with, you know, Lacey or I I mean, Max Meyer going all the way at number 11 was pretty surprising. I guess I should go over the picks here really quickly. We can't go over all of them, but uh, let's try to get through this first round and, and maybe a little bit of the second. And then we can dive deeper with a little bit of the lesser known guys. So, uh, again, a lot of these guys, I, you know, <laughs> haven't seen or even uh, have played yet professionally. So excuse me if we mispronounce any names. I know that's going to happen today. So, uh, guys, if I do mispronounce it, feel free to correct me and I'll, I'll do the same for you guys. But Spencer Torkelson was number one. Asa Lacey at number two. Austin Martin, three. Zach Veen at four. Nick Gonzalez at five. Unseung Kim at six. Garrett Crochet at seven. Emerson Hancock at eight. Heston Gerstead at 9, Garrett Mitchell at 10, Max Meyer at 11, Robert Hassel the 3rd at 12, Wilman Diaz at 13, Pete Crow Armstrong at 14, Mick Abel at 15, Austin Hendrick, Reed Detmers, and Cespedes. Um, Yoelkis, Cespedes, round out the first round. So with that, Ben, anything that caught your eye when we look at this first round, um, or do you think it's pretty by the book? Yeah, I'll also say, David, you were a great sport about the change in draft order. <laughs> and that was that was funny on the group chat. I was uh, so mad. But, but it was a great opportunity because, just like you said, things get interesting after Spencer, Tor- Spencer Torkelson. And, yeah, you can see drafters preferring Austin Martin at two, Nick Gonzalez, both college bats. Hassan Kim actually had some interesting discussion in the group chat. You know, there's an argument that he's going to be in the major leagues right away. So if you're looking for some power, speed, playing in a great Padres team, there's an argument to have him right after Spencer Torkelson. Um, But he could 
there's also a great argument that he's on such a good team. It may not be very clear how they're going to use him quite yet. He could have some adjustments to major league pitching. So all of those are really good and understandable arguments. And one of the things that I think is great about this first round is things fall into place pretty pretty by the book, I, I guess you could say, as as Alex said. You know, Max Meyer falling to 11 was, was really a surprise, um, I think, as a guy who many feel um, could be the first or second best arm in the class, um, particularly as a college arm, and especially being in a really strong Miami system. And I think there's also a good argument um, for the exciting uh, high school college bat trio here um, of Robert Hassel III, Pete Crow Armstrong, and Austin Hendrick. You know, all three of those guys, I think, are are in the order, really, that um, I've seen them go. Yep, me too. And um, I, had P- I picked Pete Crow Armstrong at 14. I was just so excited to get him. And I just got my first share of Pete Crow Armstrong in um, in the last uh, first year player draft I did. And you know what I like about Pete Crow Armstrong is he has just incredible tools, double plus speed plus hit tool. He's a great defender, strong makeup, and that's a theme that you'll hear as as we go through this that. I think one of the things that I really am looking for um, as, as I've been doing this longer is a def- how is a player going to contribute defensively? Because it's going to help them on the path to the major leagues. It's going to help them stay in the lineup through struggles. So, and then a strong makeup. Um, and Pete Crow Armstrong has that in spades and he could really be an extra base hit machine as, as, he moves through the minor leagues. Robert Hassel third is really more of a a big time power bat. Um, But I mean, having, having two Padres go here in the first round is they, they are just so loaded and um, it's, (laughs) it's an exciting system to be part of for sure. Um, But so overall, I don't see any surprises here. Um, I mean, given that it's an 18-team league, mm-hmm. you know, Yoelkis Cespedes, you know, could be a little bit high. But I think, you know, given draft strategy, if you like Yoelkis Cespedes and you have the you have the back wheel, then pick your guy. I think that's great. So, um, you know, he's an older international player who has a you know, should have a quicker path to the major league. So. I think that's very solid too. Yeah, agreed. I think that just the biggest surprise was Meyer at 11. I I do have him, him and Lacey are almost tied for me. So getting that at number 11 is really good. Of course, then we can always go down the rabbit hole of, you know, should we be picking arms over some of these bats for dynasty leagues? And I'm in the, the camp of, you know, I'll find arms later when they're in the major leagues, but those impact bats I'm going to go after in my drafts and stuff like that. So you can see this starting to play out again. David going with the arm for, uh, at number two. Uh, it's not even that crazy, you know. It's something like if this was a real life draft, Lacey at number two makes a, a ton of sense as well. So it's a it's a lot to unwrap. But one thing that did surprise me as we go to round number two, and I'm going to stop listing all of the players again. So um, bear with me. You can find this on our website at Prospects 1500 as well. It might be cool, a little exercise to follow along if you are. A really ardent listener is to uh, look at the draft uh, that comes up. Um, actually, you haven't posted that yet, huh, Ben? I shouldn't speak too soon. Uh, that's correct. The article is not up yet, but we have tweeted out the link to the live draft page. Perfect. Um, so that is available. You can. It's pinned to my profile, which is at tbdubs11. You can also get it through the Prospects 1500 twitter account as well perfect yes thank you for for that ben i'm assuming an article will come out at some point but yes that's probably the best way to to track this but 
In round number two, a guy that I'm really high on are uh, is Ed Howard of the Cubs and also from the Cubs, Christian Hernandez. I see these two guys as slam dunk first rounders, and they go here at the top of the second. Um, any comments on that, Ben or David, if you want to chime in as well? Do you think those guys are first rounders, or do you think this is kind of an appropriate spot for them? I like having them in the first round. Uh, I think Ed Howard and Carson Tucker, who went right before Ed Howard, are both great, really exciting high school bats that have a lot of ceiling. I think if you're building a team for a dynasty league, if you have someone like uh, Emerson Hancock and you pair them with Carson Tucker or Ed Howard, even Christian Hernandez, you know, another outstanding young international player, you know, the, you've, you've started off your draft incredibly strong. So I like all three of those guys, um, Tucker, Howard, and Hernandez, all absolutely have an argument to be in the first round. Um, same with Carlos Colmenares, another exceptional international talent with Tampa Bay. Um, and then the other guy of this group who I've seen pushed a little bit higher is Austin Wells, who's currently a catcher, probably will move off the position for the New York Yankees. He's often, I've seen targeted for contending teams. He has a short ETA and really quick, potentially quick to the majors, really strong in OBP formats. And it's just so such an appealing left-handed power profile in Yankee Stadium. But I think he's really more athletic than just simply being a pure masher. He can really run a little bit. So I've seen him go as high as 10. He could be in the 10 to 20 range. So I think those are just a couple more names that I would identify just at the top of the second round um, that I'd be totally comfortable pushing into the first. So to me, the the top three international guys, if you exclude Kim, I don't really count Kim as these international signings, uh, would be a, a trio of Christian Hernandez, Carlos Colmenares, and then Pedro Leon. David, what do you rank those three? Is that the order you have them in, or do you kind of put them in a different order? Yeah, I think I would put them in that order. As Ben mentioned, you know, Christian Hernandez, very strong bat, um, playing up the middle. Uh, Colmenar is another really good hitter, really good player in, in, in the Tampa Bay development and Tampa Bay farm system. So, you know, he's really probably going to develop into something uh, pretty good, even if you may have to move off a of shortstop for Wander Franco at some point. Um, but yeah, and then, I mean, Pedro Leon, you know, going third there, uh, 31 overall. So I, I think that's probably about the order I, I had them in as well. What about you, Ben? Is that your order too? It is. I also would have, so Wilma Diaz went in the first round. So he is, you know, he, he I, I think there's an argument to be made for um, really any of um, Wilman Diaz, Christian Hernandez, Carlos Colmenares, or Pedro Leon in, in any of those orders. Um, I mean, what Pedro Leon has going for him is he's a little bit on the older side and he's performed really well uh, in, in Cuban tournaments. Uh, and the Astros don't have a super strong system. So there may be a, a, a path to playing time a little bit sooner than some of the others. I mean, certainly the ceiling on, um, you know, Diaz, Hernandez, and Colmenares are all exceptionally high. Um, so I think in terms of ceiling, um, I think that, you know, Leon may be a touch lower, but you get potentially an added benefit with a shorter ETA. Yeah, great point on uh, Wilman Diaz as well. kind of forgot him because I was focusing on the second round. But yeah, I do think he's probably the clear-cut number one. I actually would have Colmenares ahead of Christian Hernandez. I like Colmenares' swing. Now, granted, we haven't seen a lot. To me, Pedro Leon's swing looks a, like a, puts a lot of effort into it. And when he connects, the ball goes a long way. But it looks like it's a really complicated 
full maximum force swing type of thing. So to me, Colmenares has the pretty swing. And for these guys, that's, that's really all you can go off of. Um, so you mentioned already a little bit about your pick in this round number 23 overall, Austin Wells. I came back with a Braves prospect left-handed pitcher, Jared Schuster, who I really like. I think that he has, uh, if we're talking about ETAs, one of the faster ETAs because of a, a polished college pedigree. And of course, Atlanta's good track record when it comes to pitching prospects. What about at number 35, uh, Bryce Jarvis? David, do you want to talk a little bit about your pick there? Yeah, so I, I kind of felt weird, you know, going pitchers there, you know, first two picks. But I, I really just kind of think Jarvis was the best player on the board at that point. I mean, he was the 18th overall pick there by Arizona. Um, I was kind of eyeing up Nick Bitsko, but then uh, Tony BPS kind of took uh, took Bitsko right before us there. So, but yeah, I mean, Jarvis is a guy who, you know, I think, you know, as a college arm, he could move fairly quickly through the minor leagues and he could be up uh, in Arizona uh, in a pretty short amount of time. So uh, j- just kind of looking at it, he was he was the best guy on my board at that time and and just kind of made the move there to kind of finish that little run on pitchers. You know, what's funny is looking over this again, Cole Wilcox goes at number 37. If I, I if for some reason, the guys that are in my San Diego system, I just feel like they were drafted like three years ago so i totally forgot about cole wilcox <laughs> i would definitely pick wilcox ahead of schuster now that i'm looking at that so uh, great pick there by stoffer what about hudson haskin who you took at 38 overall in the turn uh, coming back in round three david what do you like about hudson ha- uh hudson haskin that's a fun name to say a couple times fast hudson haskin no yeah j- just trying to copy off the hudson head <laughs> yeah um, hype there the, the hudson h guys got, got to double up on them um but yeah, I mean, he's another guy, pretty good, you know, college bat there, um, going in there with Baltimore. Um, now looking back on it, I kind of wish I did take Blaze Jordan instead, who you took. But, you know, Hudson asking, you know, he, he's got a lot of promise there with the bat as well. And, and as a college guy, he could move relatively quickly since uh, that Baltimore Major League team could use as much help as they can get at this point. So, uh, yeah, he could be another quick riser. Yeah, and I took... Like you said, Blaze Jordan at number 39. Uh, YouTube sensation. If you haven't seen his YouTube videos from when he was like, I don't know, what was he, 15 or 16 years old? He's hitting like 500-foot home runs. It's pretty crazy. So uh, it was fun to get him. I don't know if he'll ever make it, to be honest. But on the chance that he does, <laughs> I wanted to be on that train. Um, and then down at number 50 overall, Manuel Beltre, shortstop from Toronto. Ben, what can you tell us about uh, this guy? Sure. Before I jump in on Beltre, I just wanted to quickly touch on Blaze Jordan as a Red Sox oh, yeah. uh, prospector. Um, Blaze Jordan is so much fun. Uh, I hope it all clicks for him. I think tool-wise, you know, he does have a strong arm. I think they're going to try and have him be at third base for as long as possible. Um, he's really physically mature already, and... In my view, there's if the hit tool doesn't materialize, there's not a ton to fall back on. Nonetheless, he is going to hit some massive home runs at Fenway and just be so much fun to watch. Uh, the talent is just so clearly there. It doesn't come without risk, of course, but I mean, as as I wrote one time. You know, he could scare folks in the Green Monster like Willie Mopena did. I mean, <laughs> you know, Willie Mopena, he hit a ball that bounced off the Green Monster seats and almost went back onto the infield. I mean, Blaze Jordan can, has that kind of has that kind of really top shelf power. Um, and then just transitioning to Manuel Beltre, I think the Blue Jays do an incredible job with player development right now. And I think Manuel Beltre, um, with a really exciting hit tool from everything that we've seen, um, from the limited footage that we have, and just the reports that are out there, um, Beltre is definitely an exciting talent. So I think that um, you know, there's... There's lots of international talent that you can wait on. 
um, if you if you miss out on or yeah or you end up missing out on some of the top names. And Beltre is a guy who's really climbing up boards. I think people are getting really excited about him. If, if I could just jump in here on a uh, Blaze, just kind of circling back to to Blaze Jordan there. Sure. With what you Keep guys talking about of, my pick. That's good. Keep yeah. talking about it. I like with, it. With what you guys <laughs> have kind of been talking about with, with Blaze Jordan, it kind of reminds me a lot of another former prospect. And, you know, th- this may be a little bit more negative than you would like, Alex, but <laughs> it, it kind of reminds me of Jake Gatewood who was, you know, I think a comp A or or a second-round pick of the Brewers back in 2014. Like, he won those, like, home run derbies, hitting those big homers in high school, high school bat. There's a lot of concerns about, you know, whether the hit tool would be there. He was a corner guy, uh, had a bunch of strikeout issues, but the power was was legit there. And Gatewood hit some big home runs, but the hit tool and and injuries and whatever just kind of – you know, t- took away his prospect rankings. But for a while, he was one of the top-rated guys because um, they got kind of that similar profile. You know, the big home runs, you know, big home run derby champions in high school hitting 500-foot bombs when they're 15, 16. Um, it, it was just kind of the same kind of thing. And, you know, maybe Blaze Jordan has a better fate than Jake Gatewood, but um, it, it was just something that kind of popped into my head as you guys were talking about him. Yeah, I mean, just to wrap that up, uh, power high school bats have a pretty shady track record when it comes to success. So that's something to keep in mind. They uh, they usually go to college if they're going to be good, you know. And so when they come out of high school and there's a big hit tool missing, it doesn't just get better magically. So you're absolutely right. But let's move on to round number four. You, um, ben, you took a guy that I really, really like when we're talking about fantasy prospects and David Calabrese an outfielder for the Angels, super, super fast. Um, I'm seeing comps to Corbin Carroll without, you know, as much power, but he's not a slap hitter. You know, he he drives the ball really, really well. So you definitely took a guy that I was eyeing because in my drafts, he doesn't even get drafted in, in you know, I'm only doing three or four round drafts, but he doesn't get drafted. I can pick him up afterwards, which I've done in every league that I'm in because I think he's going to be a fantasy goldmine. So anything to add to uh, your pick there, Ben? Yeah, Calabrese is super young. He's out of Canada. And just like other Canadians who were drafted, Owen Casey, who ended up going later in this round, and Desan Brown, who went in last year's draft, um, you know, like you said, top of the scale speed. But he also has good contact profile. He's not someone who is profiling right now as just a slap hitter. Um, he's someone that can impact the baseball and if he can figure out how to lift the ball, he can do some serious damage as a fantasy player. So he's one that's really exciting. And I think on the opposite end of the tools spectrum, um, is the player who went right after him is Nick Lofton. Um, he's a guy who I think is is really underrated in first-year player drafts because he doesn't have the loud tools. But he has a few qualities that I think are really strong for, particularly in deep leagues, is one is he's going to be a defensive versatility master. He can play all over the infield, all over the outfield. He should profile that way. And a great character guy has played in against really good competition on the U.S. stage and another high character guy. And actually, Dayton Moore uh, was quoted as saying at pick number four overall in the draft, um, where they ended up picking Ace Lacey, he said they were considering Austin Martin, who went the next pick to the Blue Jays, Asa Lacey and Nick Lofton. Hmm. Those were the three names on the board at four. And I think if that was more publicly, I mean, it's, it was on the Kansas City Royals Twitter page, but I think that that's just a little tidbit, I think, to how highly they really see Nick Lofton. And and he, he doesn't have really loud tools. So I think in a fantasy context, I think he's really undervalued. But this is a guy who has a looks like a future major leaguer, um, is definitely someone to consider. So 
So as we move into round four or five and beyond, one thing that I think is a good strategy to uh, to advise to our listeners if they're going to be taking it is to get try to get those guys that you know everybody knows at the beginning, right? So you know a college bat, high school bat, or whatever, and people know these guys. So even if they don't work out in the long run, you still have the opportunity to trade them beforehand. You know if uh, if you if you can get their name value and get some value that way. But what I like to do later on in the rounds is to just take flyers on those international guys, because it's the only way that you're going to get the next Franco or Luciano, you know, you're not going to be getting, or Julio Rodriguez. You're not going to be getting those guys later after you already know that they're good. You have to kind of take that stab in the dark. So that's what I was doing here with my fifth uh, and sixth round picks. And I'm going to, Butcher's name. I still haven't heard it. I don't know maybe if you guys can correct me, but for the Braves, Ambioris Tiveres, I would be my best guess. I'm, I'm probably not correct there, but um, he's a third baseman um, for the Braves. One of their big international signings after the, the international signing ban finally was lifted a little bit. And then I also took Victor Acosta, my Padres signee as well. And these are guys that, you know, I don't know much about them in terms of what they're going to produce right away, but they're young and they're athletic and they are good. They have some good gloves already. You know, Tavares has good bat speed. So these are the prospects that I'm looking for in this round. David, I want to move on over to you with your picks. You went with Gage Workman, third baseman from Detroit. And then you went with your guy, Javier Warren from the Brewers, a catcher. So, David, do you want to talk a little bit about those picks here on the round four and five? Yeah, yeah. Um, Xavier Warren, um, he was a guy that, you know, when he was drafted, like, it, it's the bat, man. Like, th- that kid can just flat out hit. That, that's been the scouting report on him, you know, all throughout, you know, whether his position is at catcher, at third base, at shortstop, wherever it is, the Brewers are going to send him out as catcher because they love catchers. But Xavier Warren, that, that kid can hit, you know, whatever position that he's at. So with the numbers that, that he would put up um, when, when it comes to, you know, like fantasy wise, the numbers he put up offensively, you know, I feel like that was a pretty good get there in the fifth round. And then how can you pass up Gage Tater Workman? You know, the the third baseman there for Detroit. His middle name's Tater. He hits Taters. Um, you know, good bats, good good power. Um, so a lot to like there with uh, with both those guys. I think a, a lot of offensive upside with them and and everyday players down the road. So. Uh, yeah, when I saw those guys still on the board, I, I just kind of felt the need to take them. And then, Ben, you took two guys that I actually would have had on my queue if we were drafting in a real league. And that was shortstop Hayden Cantrell from Milwaukee, David's Brewers. And then Werner Blakely from Los Angeles, a shortstop. Can you talk a little bit about those picks there, what you like about them? And do you think you got some good value there? I do. So I really like the infielders in this range. You can see really fifth round, especially lots of infielders taken here, but I'm excited about Hayden Cantrell and he's a fifth round pick, but in my view, he's almost the toolsier version of Nick Lofton. He has really strong speed. He's a switch hitter. And he has a field to hit from both sides of the plate. He's a smaller guy, but you can see that he has Lofton in his swing. So I think that the Brewers got a really exciting player in Cantrell. And Werner Blakely of the Los Angeles Angels is just a guy I am over the moon over on. I, I just really like Blakely. Um, he... He's the type of player that I'm trying to leave every draft with. He has character off the charts. I mean, his coaches call him a gym rat. They say he's a a once-in-a-lifetime talent, a great kid. And, you know, he has a really special connection with Derek Jeter. Um, Blakely's a Detroit native. He was the first ever All-American baseball player out of Detroit. And he's driven to be better than fellow Michigan native Derek Jeter and who they met at a baseball training program um, that Jeter was coaching. And I think that Blakely is just an exceptional talent um, with an incredible left-handed swing plus speed. 
strong defensive profile. So overall, I think getting these two infielders in this range, uh, both I am very high on. Yeah, if I could offer some thoughts on Hayden Cantrell as well, because I love that guy as well, as I'm sure you could uh, imagine. Yeah, I was hoping he would fall to my next pick, but I figured that was unlikely to be the case. But yeah, Cantrell, and like another thing to just kind of point out, he's also a slow starter offensively. Um, Looking at his previous college seasons, always for the first like month or so, he's hitting like under 200, and then he turns it on at about mid-March. And just has a fantastic like end of the season and has really good numbers. And right about the time that he was getting ready to turn it loose was when the season shut down. So I, I feel like if it was a full season, Cantrell probably would have been maybe a second or third round pick or, or maybe even earlier than that if if he had that full season to go off of instead of being a fifth round pick. So I, I think he's you know a, a second round talent maybe that went in the fifth round in the actual draft. And so getting him, you know, around here, I, I think was was definitely an absolute steal. So what this mock hopefully is teaching you guys out there is that get those draft picks in these deals. You know, when somebody's offering you a trade and it's, you know, it's good enough and it seems pretty even, ask for a fourth round, ask for a fifth round pick if your draft goes that deep. And, um, you know, a lot of times these owners, especially if it's not draft season, let's say it's in the, you know, August or September, you're going to be getting that as a throw-in for nothing. And you can see the guys that we have here. Now, these aren't all going to be major leaguers. These aren't all going to be top 150 prospects. But the chances are that a few of them are going to hit even better than those first and second rounders. So don't be afraid to pile those on in trades and stuff like that. So let's continue on here. Uh, Let's try to pick it up a little bit, see if we can get these last couple rounds as quick as possible so that we can get to all of our picks. Um, With pick number 106, I went with Kalai Rosario. He's a Hawaiian draftee for the Minnesota Twins, an outfielder. Basically, if you missed out on Blaze Jordan because some guy stole him, like I would have, you could go ahead and draft this guy. It's the same exact profile. It's massive power, young uh, with a hit tool that is pretty shaky. So that was my pick there. I, I just, I like power. So why not? Uh, David, you went with uh, Terry Cruz there, or Trey Cruz, excuse me, Trey Cruz at shortstop from Detroit at pick 107. And then you went with Beck Way. I don't know much about either of these two guys. Can you line us a little bit on uh, your picks here? Yeah, so Trey Cruz was a guy that I certainly liked in the draft as well. Um, big league pedigree. And, you know, he's got, you know, some really good tools that, you know, I think is really going to help him out. And, and he could um, move through that Tiger system. And I think he'll be an everyday player uh, at some point for the Tigers. And then, you know, Beck Way, um, college pitcher again, um, went to the Yankees. And, you know, he's someone that he's just he's got the stuff to, to remain a starter going forward. Um, and he's someone that. Uh, I, I think really could put up some some decent numbers as he goes through uh, the system and, and becomes a big leaguer. And then another strategy that I was trying here was with the you know the international guys start to fade a little bit in this range. There's still some, but then try to get a nice advanced college hitter, and that's what I went with Jesse Franklin from Michigan, who goes to the Braves. Um, so I know him very well as the Braves are my favorite team, of course. So, but he's still polished and he's, you know, if he's going to make it, he's going to make it fast. It's not like he's going to take a long time. So I think that's a decent strategy to have as well. These college hitters that, you know, are college seniors even that showed a good career in their respectable, respective programs that just get signed late. Why not take a chance and see if they can, you know, a big, big thing is that, you know, you go from division two or even Michigan, right? Not the, greatest baseball program and then you go to these professional coaches and facilities and sometimes things just click and you might get a steal down here in the the very late round so keep that in mind as well as a potential strategy then i wanted to talk to you ben about your pick uh right-handed pitcher nick garcia at pick 122 and might as well have you touch on your next pick after that starlin aguilar a third baseman from seattle what can you tell us about those two yeah nick garcia is 
a Division three standout pitcher. So I think you see him at 122 because there are some questions about the level of competition. But he's so talented. <laughs> and I think in this range, you get a college arm with some upside. Um, he throws a good number of different pitches, multiple breaking balls, cutter and a changeup. And he got better when he was converted into a starter. And I really like a lot of the arms in this range. Just quickly on, you know, Tink Hentz, just went a few picks before. Super young, but for the St. Louis Cardinals, he's already touching 98 miles an hour. He just turned 18, and he could snap off a good breaking ball. And you just watch that young man pitch and I could watch him all day he has beautiful mechanics um if you're an analytics spin rate kind of person Zach McCambly is the guy you want to target in this area of the Miami Marlins uh he's a spin rate darling he's he gets great spin on his fastball and his breaking ball so I think of out of Nick Garcia, Zach McCambly, Tink Hens, I really like the arms that went in the seventh round. And then Starlin Aguilar just quickly is a big name uh, who is, he trained at the same facility as Raphael Devers, Wander Franco. And so those are some big names right there. And, a lot of folks think that Aguilar is um, really the jewel of um, the Mariners international class. Um, I also ended up picking Luis Bolivar in the 10th round, uh, who we can touch on a little bit later, um, who's also part of the same Seattle international class. But Aguilar is the left-handed hitting potential middle-of-the-order bat. And... Um, just a really exciting name, and at 131 overall, I really like that as a target spot for um, a potentially really talented player like Aguilar. One thing I think is a good time to mention is the fact that this this year particularly is going to be very much a dart throw for a lot of these guys. So if you have a guy and you're getting a feeling about him, this is the year to take him. Usually we get some information with debuts and in, something like that from last year's draft. Guys, you know, pop up out of nowhere. They, you know, Bryce Ball comes to mind, you know, for the Braves coming up and hit, you know, 17 something home runs after he got drafted. All of a sudden now you have somebody to target, but that's not the case this year. So don't be afraid to go with the guys. Take us. This is a good chance to load up on international guys and take those college players that, you know, had a good start. And I know it's going to be a small sample uh, sample size, but if they showed some sort of improvement or a mechanical change, those are worth chasing. But just be aware that, you know, nobody knows these guys as well as we usually do. And take that opportunity and take some chances here and there. So um, I, I, I do want to wrap up where we're at here. We've gone over a lot of guys. There's still hundreds of guys that we skipped as well. So, again, check out that list that is on uh, the feed for Ben and for Prospects 1500, you can always send us a tweet or message or whatever, asking us about somebody that we may not have touched on. That's that's perfectly good. But um, I want to take this last couple of minutes here that we have you, Ben, to maybe give your thoughts on your strategies when it comes to these first year player drafts. What what or even if you want to take a, a moment and, and highlight some other places, it's your choice, whatever you want. But I'm really interested to hear kind of what your strategy has been now that you've done a couple of drafts as well. I had two drafts that were really similar. So uh, I had um, two competing leagues where I ended up trading a lot of early picks. So um, one of the drafts uh, was a 30 team league that, I the first pick I had was 50, so I really spent a lot of time focusing on a lot of the names that we've talked about, and I think like just zooming out, um, 
you know, well, and then also, I mean, the other experience I had, which was in my last one, I had four picks in the first 30. So I've kind of had both uh, really extreme uh, Mm -hmm. situations. But I think if you uh, target outfield early, um, you're going to get, I think, your your best uh, your best values, uh, and then you can move into some of the um, college pitching if you end up missing out on um, some of the top names. Um, and then I think, and I think you could go with some of the value infield names, uh, like what we were talking about. Um, I think that's kind of a simplistic, you know, positional overview. But again, I think you you want to um, you want to pick the best players that are available to you. Um, I think sometimes people can get really held up on what position you're trying to chase, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I, I kind of went over the positions generally because of how how I've been sort of seeing these uh, seeing these kind of groups or tiers of players falling. So um, I think again, I think that this is a great um, more. I think more than ever, um, the lessons learned are if, if you like a player, pick them when you want to pick them, because um, we haven't seen these players debut professionally like we have in other years. So I think that um, this is just a great opportunity again to uh, pick some guys that you're really excited about. And, um, you know, some of the names that that we mentioned, they could end up being better than the players that went well ahead of them. Um, and that, that's one of the exciting parts of an exercise like this. And that's why I love talking about these uh, breaking down drafts like this. So um, it's it's really exciting to do this work. I think the takeaway that I've gotten and I've done two first year player drafts as well is that don't trade up unless it's number one. Don't be afraid to trade down and don't be afraid to look at the free agents afterwards because there are a lot of hidden gems that are not going to get drafted if you're in you know a a modest dynasty league your 30 team (laughs) first year player draft i'm sure there's not too many free agents but you know in the two that i'm in there were a three round and a four round first year player draft and i'm i'm able to pick up um calabrese and i believe i picked up uh, Mason win like guys are going to fall so to be to be completely honest I don't think you you should be trading up there's plenty of talent to go around except for Torkelson who I do I do think is in a tier on his own but anyway that's going to do it here for us today Ben I wanted to thank you again for coming on and give you kind of one last opportunity to plug anything you're working on where the people can find you on Twitter and anything else you want to add as we end the podcast here I'm just so grateful that you guys had me on today and please keep supporting and following our whole team's work at Prospects 1500. We have such a talented group of writers that are really passionate about what they do and we're doing all sorts of exciting stuff. Right now there is baseball that is happening and in over the last calendar year, it's been a really difficult time, but I think to see players right now uh, on the field, um, getting exciting news already out of uh, baseball activities. This is one of the best times of year to be a baseball fan. I can't thank you guys enough for having me on and for all of our team at prospects 1500, we're, we're all doing great work and make sure to follow us all follow our accounts um, and stay tuned for our work coming out. Ben, I hope you're in the best shape of your life as we enter spring training. So the bad news guys, we were not able to 
hit the organizational rankings, which I was hoping we would get to this week. The good news is that you can look forward to that next week. David and I will be breaking those down in some detail, discussing who has the best organizational prospects all the way down to who has the worst. And um, David, Brewers, uh, I don't think are 30th, but they're not much higher. No, they're, they're, they're a little bit above that. Hooray. So tune in next week for that. Again, thank you for all the support, everybody. This is the Futures Focus podcast, courtesy of Prospects 1500. I am Alex Sanchez, joined today by Ben Wilson, my co-host, David Gasper. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.